Welcome to the Agora Network Ministries podcast, Hope for the Agora, a conversation about mental health and the church. Listen in as our host, Evan Roars Dodge, shares practical, educational, and insightful information about the mental health conversation and the stigma inside the walls of the church. Our hope is that through informative interviews with leading mental health professionals and people in the field, and through the stories of healing and transformation, you will find that hope and healing can be found in body, soul, and spirit. To learn more, go to agoranetworkministries.com and follow us on social media. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to Hope for the Agora. My name is Evan. I am your host, and I'm excited today to be joined by a friend and colleague of mine, Reverend Dr. Stephen Rankin. He is the founding director of the Spiritual Maturity Project. Steve, I'm so glad that you've taken a few moments to join me in conversation today. Thank you, Evan. It's good to be with you. Steve, if you just by way of getting to know you a little bit and your ministry and who you are professionally and personally, share with our listeners a little bit about you um, so they might get to know you a little more. Okay. Uh, I'm a rural Kansan. I grew up, uh, born and mostly raised in Kansas with uh, six years of my boyhood in Northwest Texas. And so I I tell people I feel part Texan. Uh, My dad became a Methodist preacher when I was a a young kid. Um, And so I grew up, I grew up in the United Methodist Church and uh, and did the typical rootless preacher's kid kind of thing. We moved around according to the appointment system. And uh, because of that, I, for me, sports was kind of my way in when I was the new kid, which I was a lot. We always lived in small, small rural areas. And so uh, the new kid always stood out. So sports was big, a big part of my life, even though I wasn't a great athlete. But I wanted to coach. When I graduated from high school and went to college, I thought, you know, I'll major in physical education and be a coach. Mm-hmm. I, I tried that a little bit and realized what I really love the most. And by this time that I'm telling you now, I'd, I'd become a pretty committed Christian by that time. And so I discovered that what I really loved about working with, with athletes, as much as I loved sports, I learned two things. Number one, I didn't have that killer competitive drive that you got to have if you're going to stay in athletics for very long. And secondly, I was more interested in the personal development of the players as much as I was in their skill development as athletes. And so that was that was a a kind of a clue for me as I was beginning to struggle with my own call to pastoral ministry. So I went to seminary. Uh, We spent some time in Italy in an expatriate congregation eventually finished seminary, holding my diploma in my hand, my MDiv. I remember thinking, I'm not a master of anything. It says master of <laughs> divinity, <laughs> and I, I'm not a master of anything. And that led to further graduate work, eventually doing a PhD in, in uh, religious studies. Uh, so I spent the past 25 years in the academy until just recently, working as both a professor and campus minister or chaplain. I've always tried to combine sort of the academic interest with pastoral mm-hmm. uh, pastoral activities. I used to say to people, I don't know if I'm a 
if I'm a, how did I say that? If I'm a pastor who thinks academically, am I, a, I can't remember now how I said it, but I trying to hold together the, the professor and the pastor. Am yeah. I a professor who thinks like a pastor? Am I a pastor who functions like a professor? I don't know. Mm-hmm. It was something mm-hmm. like that. So, and, and more recently I've, uh, I, with some friends, have started a ministry called Spiritual Maturity Project. Uh, And in my senior season, now, as I think about how to use my remaining energies, I really want to focus on some things, both for congregations and campus ministries and and, uh, try to really try to bring some emphasis in certain areas where I think we've we've gotten a little bit off track in the church. Yeah. Thank you, Steve. That's Mm -hmm. that's great. So you've started this new project, the Spiritual Maturity Project. Can you share with us a bit? It, it sounds almost just in that bit that you've shared that perhaps some of the the seeds that were that that led to where you are now were planted even then when you were in athletics, because you mentioned that you were really interested in their development. Um, and I know that you have now focused on spiritual development, intentional discipleship, formation, those things. So share with us a bit about the Spiritual Maturity Project, and maybe we can also define some terms, um, you know, things like discipleship, spiritual maturity. Let's unpack those a little bit as well, if, if you would. Sure, yeah. Um, well, let's start with spiritual maturity. It is, it is the term that is, I think, very common to people. It's also a term that for me comes as close to what John Wesley meant by Christian perfection or holiness or entire sanctification as we can find in modern common parlance. Um, So obviously I've been very influenced by the Wesleyan tradition and John Wesley. I was reading him again this morning, some of his sermons. Um, Mm. They're so rich. Yeah. So Christian perfection, spiritual maturity, growing to full adult discipleship. What, what, what does it look like for a Christian to become an adult Christian? What are the, what, what's, what are the, what's the mindset? What are the dispositions, the character qualities, this kind of whole picture of a human being spiritually mature that we can envision the guidance we get from scripture and then from other, other teachers like a Wesley and lots of others. So, so as a pastor and then in the academy, I've, I've been aware of the tendency for a variety of different reasons for people to settle for something less than this full-grown, fully developed view of discipleship. And um, because of this interest, as you noted, uh, in development, um, I, I've come to the conclusion that I probably have more freedom outside any particular institutional setting now to, to pursue these aims with people across some uh, boundaries and even barriers that we find in the church and the academy. And that's one of them, the split between church and academy. I'd like to, I'd like to work the gaps a little bit and, and draw from these resources, pulling people together. So spiritual maturity is a, a fully grown understanding of discipleship. Uh, discipleship is a word that for me, a disciple is a learner. A disciple is a student. Um, 
And so, again, in the church, we tend to talk about discipleship. In the academy, we talk about pedagogy. That's the fancy word for teaching and learning in the academy. They really mean the same thing. Pedagogy is discipleship. Discipleship is pedagogy. So in the Spiritual Maturity Project, what we're trying to do is is really help people grasp and accept the fact that for the rest of our lives, we are students of Jesus. And I'm using the word student there on purpose. It, it can sound kind of heady, and I don't mean it that way, but really for us to sit at the feet of Jesus and learn from him, as it says in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, right? That's what it means. It's effortful. Uh, it's sustained. It's serious. But it's a whole heart kind of thing. It's not just getting the right ideas or the right concepts. It's it's much more than that. So, so that's where we're trying to work with the Spiritual Maturity Project, bringing resources to people that that might be considered more academic or leaning that way, but still very grounded, openly, fervently in the Christian faith, and for the purpose of developing anybody who's interested and hungry to grow deeper, to, to help them develop and give them the resources that we think they need for that purpose. Steve, in your ministry experience, both within the academy and in pastoral ministry, how have churches and church leaders, have you seen a success, a failure, maybe something else <clears throat> in good, solid discipleship? Have you seen any trends? Have there been, um, you know, any particular uh, movements that you've noticed that um, lead to good, strong discipleship, healthy spiritual growth, or are there uh, other pitfalls for which um, the, the one who wants to be a serious disciple and a learner must look out for? Yeah. Yes. Um, and let me turn first to something outside the the, the United Methodist uh, arena that I that I know so well. I want to be careful here. I mean, there's a lot in the Wesleyan tradition that far exceeds my own denomination, and so uh, there may be many things in other parts of the Wesleyan tradition with which I'm not familiar. But but I do think that in 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 in, in my denomination, we've, we've had this kind of pragmatic, uh, experience-based piety, which insofar as it goes is very good and necessary, but I think there have been some limits. Uh, we've tended to lean on experience rather than a more systematic pursuit of knowledge. And because of that, it's, it's more in the Reformed tradition, at least in, in the United States, the part of the world that I know the best. Um, it's been folk in that tradition that have been more studious. I'll give you an example from college ministry. Um, the Reformed University Fellowship. Have, that I've known, at least, have, have tended to be, first of all, their, their directors, their campus directors, are always ordained clergy. Mm-hmm. And the, the students in Reformed University Fellowship that I got to know uh, fit the description that I'm trying to give. They were, they were 
kind of theologically serious, let's say it that way. They were interested in reading some of these sources, a John Calvin, a John Wesley, other people in these traditions. Whereas in, again, forgive me for saying it this way, but I think this has been part of our weakness in the Wesley Foundation. There was a lot of Bible study and a lot of good stuff going on, but I didn't find in the main, that same kind of theological hunger and a, a, a willingness to read some more, for lack of a better term, serious resources. So something like that, I, I think churches in the Gospel Coalition, if you were to look at their website, you see all kinds of courses and, and whatnot. And at least in the part of the world that I know the best, we, we don't really have a similar kind of thing. We may have formally those kinds of resources, but they just don't, don't go into the depth that I think we need to go in, into, which shapes our hearts as well as just our thinking. Yes. <clears throat> I'm reminded of a favorite line from Charles Wesley, you know, the, the I suppose a co-founder, maybe a mm -hmm. Methodism, a great hymn writer, unite the two so long disjoined knowledge and vital piety. Amen. So that was, that was really their vision from the beginning yeah. was right. bringing knowledge uh, and, and the life of the mind together with the heart. And I hear you saying that that in many ways is the core of what it means to be a disciple. Yes. And uh, I don't, you know, you can guide me here because I can, I'll, I'll go off several directions perhaps, but I think, I think for all of us who have been schooled, particularly in the United States with the, now I'm using the word pragmatic a little different, the, tra the tradition of pragmatism in American education, very much an experience-based approach to education. But again, not, not so much experience in the way we might use that word within the Christian faith, uh, but an emphasis on what I've called elsewhere the two-step. So you get the right conceptual knowledge, you get the background information you need, and then the important thing is to apply it. So there's, there's a very strong emphasis on application with not as much attention on how knowledge or information or concepts, the input we get from professors and teachers and books, how that shapes our dispositions, our affections, our, our hearts, even our emotions, or at least the emotionally tonal aspects of our lives. Mm -hmm. We are shaped as whole people, not just this kind of knowledge and skill, right, that we talk about in the academy. There's this third dimension that goes unnoticed, but but that third dimension is being shaped by all the input we're getting from all different sources. Yeah, that's great, yeah. Steve. Thank you. Mm -hmm. We're going to take a short break, and I'll be right back with my guest and conversation partner for today, Steve Rankin. Never in our lifetime have we lived through a global pandemic. Depression, anxiety, fear, suicide are at an all-time high. Medical facilities are overwhelmed. Seniors are dying. Lockdowns and churches trying to do their best to minister to those in need. Join Agora Network Ministries May 1st for a one-day live stream experience learning from experts Kay Warren, Dr. Grant Mullen, Brett Ullman, and Amy Simpson on specific ways to persevere and find hope. Go to perseveranceconference.ca and register today. Welcome back, listeners. I'm, uh, as I mentioned, joined uh, again with by Dr. Steve Rankin, and we're talking about the, his ministry, 
the Spiritual Maturity Project, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And now we're going to shift a little bit, Steve, and talk about the role of discipleship within mental wellness and on one's mental health. You know, Alan and Bonnie, who are the founders of Agora Network Ministries, really believe that churches can do and need to do better about creating an environment and a structure where mental health and mental wellness is talked about without stigma uh, and that churches are resourced and grow in healthy ways so that mental health and mental wellness is really a core part of, of their focus. And, and I'm right there with that vision. I, I think the church can do and needs to do better right. talking about these things. So Steve, how do you understand the relationship between discipleship, uh, spiritual maturity, and mental wellness? Yes, this is a great question, and I think it's really a key question too. So I'll get I'll give it my best shot here. When I think about the Christian life, or to use the more theological language, the doctrine of salvation, soteriology, a major aspect of salvation is healing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we could dig down into some of the Greek terminology, the scriptural New Testament terminology for this, where these, where these come together. And I'm thinking particularly about um, Gregory Nazianzus, who says that which is not taken up is not healed. You know, mm-hmm. so Christ in his incarnation takes up the whole of human nature in order to heal it. And I, I find this stunningly beautiful to think about. So we start with a divine source who is our healer, which makes healing possible. And that's, that's a sign of hope. It doesn't come easy all the time, but it, it, it certainly is. Uh, a, it, it helps us grow in confidence knowing that, that God really is our healer and has come to share our nature for that purpose. Um, so healing, a big part of growing to maturity in Christian life. Um, And I think in order to be healed, at least in some sense, we need to know that we need healing, right? There's got to be an adequate degree of humility and uh, self-awareness to know that I'm, I'm broken, I'm wounded, I'm ill, uh, and I need healing. Um, so that's, I think a good starting point. I think one, one piece of the, of the, of the missing parts in this picture is that, um, thinking carefully about what is objectively true is part of the healing process. Uh, And, you know, sort of thinking about how I might answer some of these questions, uh, it, it brought to mind the relevance of something like cognitive behavioral therapy in this light where beliefs and ideas, the stories we learn about the world, about ourselves and all that are, are fertile ground for, for growing, for being healed in the, in, in, in these areas of need. So, so I think in, in mental healing and wellness, spending time in a sustained way thinking about what is true, or if I could say it this way, what is truly true, that's objectively true, it's real, 
and I can lean on it because it's true and real. It doesn't change my feelings just automatically. There's no, there's no kind of mathematical correspondence here, but it does put me on a path toward those deeper aspects of healing that are really important. And I think just for people to open up to the, the possibility that there is something objectively true that can help with my subjective states of mind. There's a connection there, a link there. I think just getting started down that, that way of thinking is a, is a big step toward healing. That's great. Steve, if a church or uh, a, a group within the church, church leaders want to be more intentional about discipleship and understand that in the, the larger umbrella, let's say, of mental wellness, of mental health, that discipleship plays an integral role in achieving mental wellness. What are some strategies or tips that churches might be able to employ, uh, perhaps, you know, not specific per se to any denomination, but, you know, within within the Christian faith, what are some things that churches can begin to do now in discipleship that, you know, might have an effect on mental wellness? What are some good strategies? Yeah. Again, good question. Um, I, I have two kind of categories of response here. I think the one of them is for churches to develop some sort of training in basic listening. Just... We need to learn to listen, just listen and resist that temptation to offer the kind of cheap advice, right? Nobody wants that. (laughs) So just learning to listen. Um, I think so much, again, drawing on my experience as a chaplain, talking with college students for a long time, uh, I always made clear to them that I'm not doing counseling. I'm not certified as a counselor. What I'm doing, I'm going to listen to them and help them think theologically about what they're struggling with. And that's my, that's, that was my approach. So I'd use a word like consultation or something like that. So to, to develop a similar kind of thing in, in the congregation where people learn to listen and, and the people who need to unburden themselves know that these are confidential conversations, perhaps in a small group, perhaps one-on-one, but where, where the, the person feels free to unburden themselves without a lot of input right off the bat. Um, I think there's so much to healing is just the, the knowing that we can share with a supportive community who will stand with us and pray with us and stay with us even if they don't have a bunch of answers. The answers can come, but right now I just need someone just to listen, right? Yes. So, so congregations that develop a, a team of people, perhaps choose a program uh, that, that kind of does this as the, as the framework for doing it, but to develop a team of people or groups of people in, in a congregation who know how to listen and listen well and, and, and then and do it. On the other side, I think, you know, if I'm the person in need and now let's say I have something like that where people, I can just sit with someone and they'll listen to me and help me think through my, my, my struggles. On the other side, I think a good 
discipleship program where people are learning the faith, where they are brought um, more deeply into the faith once delivered to the saints. And I am talking about sometimes some pretty heavy duty theology. I alluded to Gregory Nazianzus, you know, for people to think through what does it mean for Christ to have atoned for us? What does atonement mean? Not just the basic definition that we can spit back in a sentence or two, but really what does that mean for life? And how do I learn to think about life through the lens of atonement? So to take people a little bit more deeply into our faith tradition and let them explore some really rich theology, some doctrine in relation to these issues, that's the more objective side where we're getting a sense of uh, not just what people think about God, but how God actually is. And if and if God really is this way, then we can learn to lean on that God. And so these two these two sort of poles, you might say, the subjective side, where I can just unburden myself freely, and the more objective truth side, uh, a congregation that practices linking these two dimensions together, I think, can provide. Uh, real progress in in mental wellness and then people can figure out okay i need i need serious professional work in some of these areas right they can start to sort out and discern how far they need to go in getting help yeah steve i so appreciate what you just said and i see the two poles let's say that you laid out for us inextricably linked in that I have seen in churches in my years of pastoral ministry where someone has come into the church and because they have not been heard. Mm. And and by that, I really just mean in my experience, they've not been provided an environment where they can be real about who they are, about their struggles, and have that received without exactly what you said, without those sort of trite uh, I call them Christianese answers, mm-hmm. you know, well, just read your Bible more or right. you know, have faith or God won't give you more than you can handle. <laughs> right. Nonsense like that, right? Yeah. Um, those trite answers where there might be some truth in them. Yes, we should read our Bibles, um, but that's not necessarily really going to make all your problems go away. So per- creating that kind of environment where people know that they can be heard and listened is so important. My just my experience has been if that's not there, it's highly unlikely that people are going to take the next step, which is to connect in a deep rooted way with any sort of discipleship initiative within the church. So that providing a, a listen, active listening, supportive right. environment within the church that's so crucial. Right. Yeah. And it's I, so diff- it can be so difficult to do. Right. And uh, I think one, one important aspect to learning to listen is, uh, you know, this is this, the point that I'm about to make is therapeutic in itself, right? That if I'm going to learn to be a good listener, I need to gain some self-awareness. When I feel when I start feeling anxious and I want to uh, offer that cheap advice, a lot of times that's more about my own feelings rather than the person I'm listening to. So, so gaining proper self-awareness to become a good listener is actually part of growing in Christ and getting healed ourselves. Yes, absolutely. 
Steve, thank you for joining me today for this conversation. I so appreciate you and your ministry and this time that we've been able to talk. If folks want to connect with you through the Spiritual Maturity Project, could you just share with us how they can connect with you and what sort of resources they might expect if they visit your website and connect with with this project? Certainly. We have a website, www.spiritualmaturityproject, all one word, .org. Uh, and we are, we're, we're really a brand new ministry, so we're still developing courses. Uh, the pandemic changed the way we were thinking about ministry. So right now we're developing three foundations courses, one on spiritual maturity, one on learning to read the Bible well, uh, and one on the basics of the Christian faith, a kind of catechesis course. Those will be go at your own speed, do it as a small group, kinds of online courses that people can find uh, when they go to the website. These are still in development, so be patient with us. And then also on that website, what we're trying to do is guide people to other resources that we think are good. Um, and people can contact us through the website. There's an email address if, if they want to get in touch with me. I'm interested in uh, phone conversations, Zoom conversations. We consult. Uh, and when we are able to travel more freely, we can come to uh, a congregation and share for a weekend, perhaps, or in some other way that they see fit. Thanks, Steve. Mm-hmm. One other, one other way, one other a bit by way of connecting with you. Might you just share a bit about the book you've written? And if you are on social media and folks want to follow you there, connect with you there, how could they do that? Yeah, thank you. Um, well, from on the website, there's a blog. There's a link to the our blog called okay. Pressing On. And so that's a place if they... I, I blog there to try to be pretty specifically focused on growing to maturity. I do blog under the title Rankin File, Rankin File. Uh, and there I, I deal with topics more generally, most mostly about uh, the Christian life. So there's some overlap, but I do, I range out a bit more with my opinions there. So those are... Uh, those are the two main ways. Of course, I'm on Twitter, uh, you know, uh, and, mm-hmm. and and all that. But those are the two main ways. Yeah. Great. Oh, my book. Excuse me. Uh, this book is under revision. I wrote it, published it now more than 10 years ago. It's called Aiming at Maturity, The Goal of the Christian Life. And it was my attempt to, to bring John Wesley's doctrine of Christian perfection into the 21st century with language appropriate, perhaps, but still keeping faith with what uh, he saw. And I agree, are these are deeply scriptural principles that we should, should think about. So Aiming at Maturity, the Goal of the Christian Life is the book. I wrote it for lay people, uh, and, uh, and um, I'm I need to revise it and try to make it better. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, we will look forward to that revision. And thank you for sharing those ways to connect with you and your ministry and your writing. So, Steve, this has been my joy to share mm. some conversation with you. And I know that I've benefited from this. I am thinking already of ways to be a better pastor and to be a more deeply devoted disciple. So thank you for that. You are quite welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Steve. God bless. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you found it helpful and informative. We are always open to your comments and suggestions. You can contact us at info 
at agoranetworkministries.com. You can also go to our website for resources, information, and upcoming events. Just head over to agoranetworkministries.com. If you would like to support the work of Agora Network Ministries, including this podcast, you can find a link on our site. We appreciate your support. We pray that your week is blessed. Bye for now.